Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Morphing Tower podcast. That's right, the podcast that takes place in a random room in a very large building with seemingly an infinite number of rooms and hopefully a seemingly infinite number of potential guests. I'd like to start off this episode by reading a memo that I received. You can hear it's written on high-quality cardstock for some reason. And this is from... Oh, this is actually from the boss. Wow, that doesn't happen very often. Um, it reads as follows. It has come to my attention that there have been several groups of individuals venturing out into the unfinished 49th floor, and employees on the 50th floor have begun to complain about the bright flashes and the screaming. Please report any suspicious activities happening in or around the 49th floor. Sincerely, the boss. Which, I'm not an architect, but, like, I don't know how people on the 50th floor are able to complain about the noises coming from the unfinished 49th floor, but you, you know what? I'm I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna go there. Uh, I am joined this episode uh, by a first time guest. I'm super excited to have on Clear Focus Films. Welcome hello, onto the podcast. Hello. How are you doing today? I am doing fantastic. Doing fantastic. Now I noticed we are currently. It looks like we're levitating, but we're not levitating. So explain, we're, we're in like a, it's a room, it's got pink walls, there's clouds above us, but beneath us, it just looks like a, like a chasm. Can you explain what this is? Well, this, this right here is my room, you see. I, uh, I take care of all these clouds. I'm the janitor of the clouds. You know how, uh, when you see clouds that are all nice and, and puffy and white? Mm -hmm. That's what's all around us. I make sure that those stay white by bleaching the inside of them so that I make sure they're white. Oh, okay. So the giant, like, valve on the side of the building that's constantly puffing smoke and clouds, that's that's what this is about. Yeah, yeah that's the cloud debris. You know, oh. It kind of turns a little bit darker. You got to get rid of that. Right, right. Of course, of course. I mean, at this point, I, I just, I can't even say I'm shocked anymore. So that's, that's what you do. You, you tend to, to the clouds, which is, again, just emblematic of how ridiculously high up this floor of the building is. Yeah. Yeah, that's what this, uh, the, the backpack on my back, you know, this, uh, this Ghostbusters style backpack. Mm -hmm. it's, it's my cloud vacuum. Oh. Gotta make, sure gotta make sure they're clean. Of course, of course. You can't have dirty clouds that's that's no good for anyone well it is a pleasure having you on the podcast um and so i i don't know why i this this came to my mind before we started recording here but when i was a kid there was this cd-rom game that was released by crayola like the actual company and one of the games that was on this cd-rom was like a color matching game and I don't know why my brain just accessed this, but I seem to remember that a couple of the colors, like the names of the colors themselves, were just the most buck wild thing possible. And so <laughs> I'm gonna pull up here on the terminal. I'm just gonna pull up. This is just a list of all of the, I don't know if this is just the original ones or something, but this is a list of Crayola crayon colors. And if you just look, at some of these names like i've never heard of these at all and I, and now i know why because like just some of the titles some of the titles just make no sense like they're just so hyper specific 
like asparagus? Like what kid is sitting down with a coloring book like, oh, you know what? I need my asparagus crayon. You know, you know what I think is better than asparagus? We got inchworm. <laughs> I think that that's definitely better. I would recognize the color of an inchworm from a mile away. You know, that's, that's the kind <laughs> yeah, of yeah. <laughs> or like outer space, which is just like a dark, almost black, like the color. What's the color of outer space? Or I don't know. Some of these just like they they make or just totally like redundant. Where if you're looking at the actual shades, like sitting right next to it is a color that arguably is almost the same. The difference between navy blue and denim on this list is to me almost exact like they almost look exactly the same or or colors that like bluebell that to me again maybe i'm just colorblind but it looks like purple like it doesn't look blue to me like some of these name wisteria what the heck is wisteria that's like a it's <laughs> like a like a fantasy name of a city it's an old english lady's name Wisteria, or like we have some epic names like Maximum Blue Purple. Maximum, it cannot be more blue or more purple. Wisteria sounds like how if they would like diagnose you with nostalgia back then, like oh, Maybelline's come down with a horrible case of wisteria. Oh. Then we have a banana mania. That just sounds like Bana uh, Mario Kart, but only with the banana peels. <laughs> banana mania. Uh, that sounds horrible. That it's, sounds it's the worst power up that you can get. Oh, oh, absolutely. Or oh my gosh. And then they could try to get cute with some of them. Marvelous. Marvelous. Uh, That's wow. I don't even know what to say about that. You know, the guy who created that was a dad. <laughs> more, more than likely yeah you're probably right about that one at least i should hope so because otherwise there's no excuse for that or the naming of copper versus antique brass i'm sorry antique brass versus i don't know brass <laughs> why it does, it does have a different tone you know i really like like pocket knives pins stuff like that and the way that it does antique is very different you put you pull a pin right out of the package it's mm. looking a hundred percent different in a week i guarantee it so i feel like that's just that's just perfect antique brass but what kid is going to know <laughs> or or, or antique, brass? <laughs> antique brass there's one of my favorites on here is near the bottom is just oatmeal which is just like an off-white like it's the, that i if i would not eat oatmeal that was this color like it looks like actual like craft paste oh. <laughs> it's so unappetizing doesn't look good at all just the list of these is just so insane and at least for me growing up like i don't know i just got like the regular 12 pack of crayons that had like you know the regular colors and like if you wanted any other ones i don't know tough luck or like I, like makes like mix them yourself i guess crayons were never my thing they were never that I was always the uh, the colored pencil, the, you know, the twisty kind, and the they were a little plastic shell, kind of like a pen. Uh huh. And you would you would twist the back of them, and just the lead would come out. They were the best. Yeah, oh no, I think I know what you're talking about. I'm pretty sure that's what it was called. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, oh man, did you have the uh, the multicolor pens that you felt like it was like a super high tech futuristic <laughs> multi tool where you could you could choose like blue, red, green, or black. Like you could rotate the pen around and you could pick which color it came out. The pens were usually like bigger, and based on which one you press down, you get a different color pen that would stick out the 100%. bottom. Hundred percent. A hundred percent. And the day that I found out that they were like two dollars at the dollar store, <laughs> absolutely crushed. I was like, I'm super high with this pen. I yeah. Can write in any color, and then you find out that they're just totally cheap. Super villains beware when I activate all the colors at the same time, or at least try kind of, and then break the pen. <laughs> okay, but the kind with the mechanical pencil in it. That oh. Yeah, the pen and the pencil combo. I remember the first time I was ever gifted a an erasable pen for school, and I was like, what sort of witchcraft is this? This shouldn't be possible. It shouldn't be. I'm, like, writing in red, and I'm like, oh, made a mistake. You flip it around to whatever the, like, the soft, abrasive other side of it is, and you just rub it just very lightly, and it just completely goes away. I'm like, this shouldn't be possible. It defies every law known to man. Pins are permanent, and now you can erase them. It's it's mind blowing. <laughs> it shouldn't be allowed, honestly. It it felt wrong. I was like, I feel like I'm cheating. Like I chose a pen for the very reason that it is permanent. Like I don't. I'm not a huge pencil guy. I'd much rather write or draw in pen because I I have to work with whatever I've done. Here's what I think happened, right? The government was like, we either release files about aliens and that we know that they're actually out there, or we release to the public an erasable pen. Which one do you think, guys? Come on, which one do you think? Okay, we'll go with the erasable pen. Erasable pen. Every time humanity has been this close to storming Area 51 with their arms backwards, all of a sudden we get erasable pens. Sure, that that was the wildest thing a couple months back, and that dates this episode, but I don't care. When the, you know, the random huckster guy in mexico was like presenting it to the mexican government like oh look at these little aliens when the rest of the world is so like stun locked by what else is going on in the world where everyone's like just scrolling past the whole alien headline that's a special place we've arrived at <laughs> when people are like oh, oh yeah. aliens oh whatever <laughs> it's a thursday i don't care for me, it was massive news. I was like, this is this is the moment that has finally come. Everybody who has said that I was crazy for collecting books and watching videos, everything, finally, I can show them the proof. Government mm -hmm. agrees with me. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That was, that was also crazy. I can't wait to tell future generations about the uh, Area 51 raid, quote-unquote raid, that didn't really happen, but that everyone wouldn't stop talking about several years back. I, I didn't even know what was happening. I am, very, <laughs> I am very just unversed at any, like this terminal even for me is just, it's it's beyond my, my pay grade. So, <laughs> well, you, you, you work with clouds. Yeah, yeah, this, I mean, this technology that's on me is, is basically a vacuum cleaner hooked up with Bluetooth, so then it expels out the side valve without even having to use pipes, but that's been, that's been years ago that that technology was was discontinued. This is an older model. So. Every everyone else is saving files on the cloud. You you're actually working in the cloud. That's the difference. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm on the inside of it. So to look out, nah, nah. I'd, yeah. I'd rather stay in the cloud. <laughs> I 
just looking at a picture here on the terminal that's from an NPR article. This was apparently 2019. That's that's what the that's what the pandemic has done to my brain. That it's it's managed to like melt multiple years into one thing. So the fact that the storm area 51 thing was from 2019 kind of makes my brain melt a little bit. But the picture of just these these people who I guarantee almost none of the people who actually showed up to those raids actually believe that aliens exist but it was all just for the memes and it was just like a thing purely born of like internet culture of there's this thing that we all totally know is a complete bust like it's not gonna happen but we're all just gonna show up en masse with our alien costumes to just like cheer for something so ludicrous here's what i picture when i hear storm area 51 right it's like dwayne the rock johnson jason statham coming in <laughs> driving in a tank and no we get two guys in inflatable costumes standing <laughs> with with blow-up signs like this is not this is not a raid this is a stand outside and petition to save et from the government yeah it's not it's the softest raid like it's not a the word raid evokes so many images none of which this picture shows of just holding a sign and people just sort of cheering and like just sort of hanging out like it's just not not what i think of when i think of a raid i bet they were from canada that that's the only way they can explain it it's just like that please Oh, like, like a Canadian raid? Yeah, yeah, that's the Canadian raid right there. A Canadian raid is showing up and having an impromptu music festival. That's that's going to evoke change in the mm -hmm. American government. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that. Yeah, that's the other thing. Is like all these other world governments. If all these other world governments, like, what are the odds that number one, aliens have only ever flown apparently above the good old U.S. of A. Other countries would release that for no other reason than to become the first country in the world to say, hey, we got aliens. Like, that would, like, make people want to go there and make people interested in their country. So, like, the uh, the fact that that hasn't happened yet just makes me give the, the, the biggest bombastic side-eye to the whole thing. Because it's like, or what, are we the only country that has aliens, really? Is that what people think? I mean, so many years ago, it was like the the Soviets and the U.S. were racing to get to the moon, and now it's like everybody wants to say that they're covering it up. It's <laughs> you would think that they would be proclaiming, "We have aliens." Yeah, now. we got aliens. We're the first to discover aliens, but nobody's doing it, which makes me think it's like, okay, I don't think you have anything super good yet. Which was kind of why I was so interested when it was like the Mexican government was like, "We've got something," and then I looked at the pictures of it. I'm like, oh. These look like they should be hung from a tree, and you hit them with a bat, and candy comes out. I was like, okay, these don't, uh, these don't quite, uh, <laughs> these don't quite do it for me, as far as realism goes. Yeah, it's, it's. I'm just waiting for a clear picture, right? We have all these great technologies, of mm. terminals, and and image capturing devices, and we yet we still don't have a single clear image. It's people can explain it away, but there's got to be something going on. Something maybe deeper, man. <laughs> there's something. Maybe the next like James Webb photo is just going to be like if like how crazy would it be is if one day the James Webb telescope sends back a bunch of pictures 
and it's just like an alien photo shoot where they found the camera floating out in space, and so they're just trying out a bunch of poses, like like in a photo booth at the mall, and they're just like <laughs> they're just really hamming it up for the camera. So they go from just like pictures of empty space, empty space, empty space. And then all of a sudden, there's just, like, an alien, like, looking into the camera, like, inches away from it, like, breath fogging up the lens. And then the next, like, 17 or all of it just, like, trying out different poses. How wild. <laughs> just imagine being the guy to get those photos back. Be the best news break in years. 100%. Oh, absolutely. Well, now that we've severely just derailed, we went from Crayola crayon colors to Area 51, which I, I wouldn't have it any other way. I guess to start off, since this is our first conversation, um, I wanted to ask some questions about uh, the stuff that you create. So I guess uh, we could do let's let's start with what got you into filmmaking in the first place. And I know that's like a loaded thing. So. If you have a lot to say, that's perfect. That's that's what we're looking for. But like, how did you how did you get into filmmaking? Like, where did that interest start? Uh, well, I mean, I've always loved movies and I've loved photos and uh, just images. I love the um, they're like art books that you can get from uh, different video games or movies, and I love to collect those. I thought I was going to be an artist for the longest time. Mm. And I, I, I would sketch, I would paint, I would do all that. And then it just got to a point where it was, it got really tiring because I felt like I wanted it to be kind of a job and to make money, but I saw it going nowhere. So I started taking some photos. Uh, I got a, a camera, a, I think it was like a Nikon, just some, a cheaper camera for my graduation party once I got out of high school. Cool. And it was, it was the, it was super cheap and I really <laughs> had photos for like family vacations or just to capture me and my brothers i have two brothers um so just photos like that and that was kind of the only photography that i had done but the more that i took photos the more that i had tried to find artistic ways to capture the photos hmm. and whether that would be people or uh, like a landscape going on family vacations more for uh, landscape and nature photography and capturing the family in ways that would show that instead of just kind of here's a wonky photograph of my mom <laughs> in Canada <laughs> you're right yeah 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 uh, I mean I, I grew up in Alaska so that really was, yeah yeah I spent uh, nine years there yeah so I grew up in Alaska and that was the place to take photos oh and once yeah I really got into photography was of course like the year that we moved down to the lower 48 and i totally missed my opportunity but i would definitely credit it to to growing up in a place that was beautiful and then going to a place that was not as beautiful being more in the city um and trying to find ways to capture beauty that reminded me more of the time growing up hmm. and it's, it's really just taken off from there i've been doing it for uh, two to three years now and it's it's growing I mean I have a studio uh, website now I have uh, uh, social media stuff up as you've seen and how mm -hmm. we got connected yeah. through my uh, channel and just just trying to really find any creative way whether it be photography or uh, filmmaking is is really what I'm I'm pursuing right now 
That's really cool. And something that I really like about um, the stuff that you create, and this is something that I've found is, um, I think it's more common among more creative people. And that is interests that coincide and morph into other interests. So like there are people who are really good at one thing and there might be any number of reasons why they don't branch out and do other things. It could just be that that's the only thing that interests them. But I find more often than not, I think it uh, for a lot of people, it comes down to they don't think they can do anything else. Um, and so maybe they don't try. But what I've you know noticed in myself from what I create is whenever I get to a point in a project where I'm like, man, if only I had X, Y, or Z, if only I had a really gnarly photo of this thing if only i had a piece of music that would fit this if only i had an illustration that would that would really emphasize what i'm trying to convey like the more i create and the more different types of art i try and practice or show an interest in the more of that i can do myself so like one interest sort of naturally bleeds into other interests which is really cool when you have like a bigger project that has a lot going on, like a lot of different moving pieces, because the more I learn from other people, like other creatives, the more I'm able to create fully fledged things myself based off of all stuff that I've made. Like that's that's the ultimate goal for me is like to keep learning and to keep trying new forms of art <clears throat> and expression because those things will inevitably lead to other things. And that's something that you do very well, or at least that's what I've noticed based on watching through your videos. I'm like, dang, this guy is into photography, he's into uh, film and filmmaking, but he's also into like watercolors. And I was like, that's so cool. Like, even if you don't do one more than the other, it's the fact that you're interested in more than one thing and uh, the, the first video that I, I found of yours on, on YouTube is titled The Need to Create Art for Yourself Alone. And I just, it was everything in that video that you said, I feel on such like a spiritual level. Like I was so, I was, I was tracking with you 100% of the time. And that's when I, you know, went back and looked at, um, like, the first video you posted this year, um, the year that was the year to come. And I was like, this is a channel I'm, I'm going to, I need to watch. Like, I need to keep my eye on this space because I feel like there's going to be some interesting stuff coming down the pike and, and even more so different stuff. Like, it's not all going to be the same thing. And since that's a lot of what I do, I do a little bit of everything. And that's what I love to see other creatives do is to branch out, make different types of videos, whether you're doing a video that's like a short film or more of a, a vlog, like a, a travel video or more of an inspirational video of you painting or down to like really nuts and bolts, like the 10 essentials for every filmmaker and photographer. That video was super cool. Cause again, it was something different. I was like, every other video is like entirely different. Like it's function, but it it's all coming from a place of like your passions. And I really, really love that about the stuff you make. Well, I think that the thing that, that so many creators get stuck in is feeling like they have to be in one mode. 
Hmm. And I mean, I, I started in art. I felt like I was going to do that up until I was probably like, I don't know, 15, 16. And then I was like, okay, you know, every kid loves to draw and I'm just not an artist anymore. And I really, I, I credit it to my mom who said, you know, just because you don't feel like this is going to be the path that you pursue for a job or for anything like that, hold on to it. Like you mm. don't know where this can go to. So you don't have to do art. I'm not saying that you have to do that, but hold on to it. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I went and started doing music. And I, I, I love, uh, I, I, wrote, <laughs> I love rap. And so uh, Christian artists, Christian rappers, Andy Minio, Lecrae. I mean, I gotcha, I, gotcha. Great, go to their concerts. And I thought, okay, you know, I am going to be the next rapper. And I was, anybody that knows me knows that that is absolutely never going to happen. <laughs> um, I started making music. I started making beats. I started, uh, and then that rap transformed into, you know, electric guitar or acoustic guitar. I play both and going into that. So I was like, okay, now I'm going to be a mus musician. And now that it's gone to photography and, and with a little bit of like, you know, writer in there for probably a, a couple weeks that I thought I was going to do that, it's all come together. I mean, you think about what a movie is, that's what a movie in a video is. It's photos played at 24 frames a second with some music underneath, throw in some poetry or a spoken word. That's what it is. Yeah. I mean, it, it's everything that has come before is is helping me now. Hmm. So to the creative people that are out there that are wondering, you know, like, is this my lane? Don't focus on that. Focus on just creating what you have in front of you right now, because you never know where that might go to or what that might lead to. And just because it doesn't seem like it's something that you will carry on forever, hold on to it. Like, don't just don't don't throw that away. It can help you to grow into where you're supposed to be five years from now, 10 years from now, one year from now, you don't know where you're going to be in that mm. time, but collect everything that you've learned over the years and it can really help you. Yeah. I, I love, I love that. And there's like two things that, that come to mind off of that. Um, the first is just like the whole idea of holding on to stuff and not just throwing it away outright is something that um, I've tried to reiterate specifically when it comes to um, art and sketching and character creation because that's my pat like one of my big passions is character creation I love just pen and paper just as simple as it gets eight and a half by eleven and just a pen doesn't matter what kind of pen and just sit down and sketch doodle draw scribble whatever but something that I try and reiterate to to people who are either trying to get into art or drawing or um, maybe are thinking about it is that I try to encourage them don't chuck stuff just because you made it a while ago like there there are still good ideas there like there's still value there and I think in very much the same way you're when you're talking about like people your interests on a broader scale so not even just physical just like ephemera like don't throw away your old sketches like as far as what you're talking about when it comes to like your interests, if you have a passing interest in something and it was real and it was deep and it actually uh, served you well and it helped you express yourself just because you're not the best in the world at that thing, even though you just started it, don't just outright be like, well, I can't be that thing or I, you know, I won't be that thing because I can't be the best at it or whatever. It's like 
if that still interests you, like obviously people's interests change, but it's like, if that still interests you, don't just throw that out. Like you could, you could use that. And I, I really like that. Um, I, I had thought about something a little bit more techn technical and I want to get your input on this and see if you agree with this. So something that happened to me in middle school, cause you talked about like thinking about be becoming a writer and how that sort of transitioned into like writing scripts or writing more specifically for other things versus like writing a novel, right? Something that I found like in middle school, and I, I've talked to a lot of people who have this same exact experience is so many people in middle school, they got one of those composition notebooks, the black and white like pattern composition notebooks. And they were like, I'm going to write the next novel. And then you write for three pages and you're like, I hate my handwriting. I hate my characters. I hate my topic. Everything about this sucks. And you throw the book aside and you never do anything else with that book. Like it just sits there. <laughs> it's got like the beginning of a story and that's it. Or at least that's how it happened for me. And so like I sort of went away from writing and then it was actually poetry that got me back into like fiction writing and short story writing was because at least for me working on poetry actually made me better at like creative writing because some of the things that you learn to avoid in poetry like repeating words unnecessarily um, so like when I read other people's poems, this isn't so much a snobbish thing as it is just a taste thing, but like if they are using the same word and not even poems, just like regular writing, like people's books or stories, if people default to the same word over and over and over and over again, I pick up on that now and I didn't used to. <laughs> it also didn't used to drive me crazy, but now it drives me a little bit crazy because I'm like, there are so many other words that you could use to describe what you're describing, but you just keep using the same word over and over again. Um, but poetry also helps with just like the way that you describe things. Um, the, the more flowery language or the more abstract stuff that goes into writing poems. And so I was just curious if you've, if you've experienced anything like that where poetry sort of helps you think in different ways or did it change your approach to writing other things? It absolutely did. Yeah, I love poetry. I love newer poetry, and I love, like, the older stuff. Uh, I love going to old antique bookstores and finding old poetry books and just reading through them. They're great to just pick up, you know, on a rainy mm. day or whatever, get a cup of coffee. And oh, absolutely. Fantastic. But I, <laughs> I used to only like poems that rhymed. And okay. And I felt like poetry is only dr seuss style and now i have i've gone the absolute opposite way it's like the more <laughs> kind of free verse it is i right. just connect to poetry so much and i don't know what it is because it's the same with music you know it, you connect to music so much and having poetry it's just raw emotion it's anybody can do it mm. that's I, I find it a bit difficult because I have read some poems and I'm like, ah, but is it really a poem? I mean, it's kind of more just like a paper that you wrote and then put it in a couple stanzas. But I think that when you find a poem that really connects to you, you you hold on to it. And mm. you, you can look back on it. And through school, I was homeschooled, so we would memorize poems. 
um, the Midnight Ride of Paul Revere or uh, some some other ones that I remember. It's poems stick with you, and they it's a hundred percent right thinking about uh, words that are repeated. It's absolutely infuriating when you hear <laughs> we have so many words. I, I feel the same with uh, people who curse. It's like you have so many words to express yourself in and you're choosing the same word to to have a different meaning. No, it's like expand your expand your verbiage, expand mm. everything that you have and you'll become a much more well-rounded person. Um, I, I recommend that everybody read poetry because there is poetry out there for you. If you're if you're more of a shallow person and, and like just lighthearted stuff, there is a hundred percent that. And there are some poems that go deep and will hit hit some very very touchy points and they mm. they heal people and they help people and yeah, po- poetry is incredible. I think I had to be shed of so many different misconceptions about poetry because you're talking about like. When you were were younger, you thought that, or you, what your favorite style of poetry was, stuff that had a definite uh, rhythm and rhyme to it. See, when I was younger, my perception of poetry was that it had to be that. Like there was nothing else other exactly. than the super tight. Uh, it's just chock full of esoteric ten dollar words that I can't pronounce, and everything rhymes. And it was because of that, that's what, like, it took so long before I was able to write what I deemed to be an actual poem. It was like a toxin I had to work out of my system. So, like, in my, um, in a writing course that I was in, it was like a reading writing course I was in. This was tail end of high school. Basically, what happened was we were given prompts to write poems about. And I was so, like, stifled that all I could do was just, like, use other words for what the prompt was. Like, I was just, like, it was just, like, a word association exercise at that point. Like, I literally couldn't think in poetic terms about what I was doing, and so all I was doing was, like, whatever the prompt was, I was just literally writing just sentence after sentence of, like, association. Like, what do I associate with that prompt word? And that's where it started. And I don't think I've talked about this on the podcast before, but basically what ended up happening is over the course of the the class, one of the last assignments we had to do was we actually got to write a longer form poem that was to be read in front of the class. And more so, everybody was going to pick someone else's poem to read. And so I was super, super excited. I spent hours working on this longer poem. I was super proud of it. Looking back on it now, it has so much just raw, unadulterated cringe that I don't even think I could ever read it again. But it was the best I could do at the time. And so in that sense, I'm not, you know, ashamed of it. But, like, I was so excited and ready for somebody to read this poem because up to that point, I felt like I hadn't created anything of poetic value. Like, it just – there was nothing original. It was all just, like, association. And so – I was super proud of it. We show up on the day and I, you know, there's just like a stack of poetry sitting in the middle of everybody. And I think there was an uneven number of students and helpers in the class. And so I put mine down and I don't know if I put mine down first. I don't know what happened, but basically the entire hour long class, everybody is picking up other people's poems to read and we get to the end of the class. And since there was an uneven number, nobody had picked up mine. 
and worse yet, nobody noticed that there was one more left. And so, you know, it, we're like packing up to leave. So I just quickly like grab my poem and shove it into my backpack because I'm like, I don't want anybody to feel bad for not reading it. And I don't want anybody to feel like we have to stay here just for my stupid poem to read it. So I'm, you know, I go the rest of the day, feel super dejected. I'm so like upset and frustrated that nobody read my stupid poem in this class that like ultimately it didn't even really matter. But I was just so like, this was the first poem that I actually felt proud of, you know? And so I was super like crestfallen. And it was this day, I will never forget this because this was the turning point that I knew I had to keep writing poetry. Was on the way back home, I had my very first original poetic thought, which is what is the value of an unread poem? And as soon as I had that thought, I was like, for the very, I'd never thought of this ever in my life prior to this point. I was like, that's a poem. I should write a poem about that. And it was like that moment. I was like, this is what it feels like to think in poetical terms. And it was like, it was like discovering a new color, you know, not oatmeal, not, you know, maximum purple blue. It was like an actual good color that was new, that was it was fresh and from that point on i just haven't stopped writing poems was like so you're saying that that thought was kind of like the importance of creating art for yourself alone uh, you could almost say <laughs> that it was the need to create art for yourself alone cuz to that day nobody's read that poem i never showed yeah. it to anybody else because the this the follow up poem was all that mattered because i was able to give a sort of value and nobleness to that poem that nobody ever read and i don't care now if nobody reads it ever because it was what got me over that initial um like mental block of like what is the function of a poem what's the point of a poem and it wasn't until i actually thought in terms of poetry of there's there's poetry in that like if you can unlock that way of viewing the world of there's poetry in that i feel like it, it's similar to what you were talking about where you you start off in alaska and then you move to like a city setting and all of a sudden there's more of a challenge to find alaska in the city <laughs> if that makes sense like i need to find the natural beauty in a place that more than likely most people are not going to find that and it becomes almost a challenge and it almost becomes a way of thinking. And that's when the really cool art stuff happens, I think. And it 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 all I feel like it has to come from a moment or like a mindset change. I know it did for me, where like like I said, prior to that point, I wasn't thinking in poetical terms. I wasn't looking for poems in events or statements or things around me, because that's just wasn't what I was doing. But it it took me getting absolutely emotionally like wrecked by the fact that nobody read my amazing in quotes poem and it wasn't until that point that i was able to actually start thinking of poetic ideas on my own yeah and that takes us back to i mean holding on to mm. that stuff i read uh green lights by matthew mcconaughey have you read it no no but it's i think i've i've great. heard it referenced before yeah it's a great book uh it, it's it's this compilation of just like oh, i can't remember I think it was like 14 or 15 journals that he's kept over the years and reading that when it came out it's like 
oh my word, he, these are journals. These are not anything that he thought that people were going to read, but now that he's looking back at it, he's finding poems that he's written, like little bumper sticker quotes, hmm. um, lists, things, and that, like now I feel like I'm kind of a hoarder, but I keep all of my, <laughs> I keep my notebooks, I keep my pages, I keep uh, short story ideas. I, I work at a warehouse, a packing warehouse, and so I carry around a little notebook in my back pocket, and I'm like, oh, my word, that's a thought. That's a quote. I listen to podcasts. I'm like, that's a quote. Keep that quote. That, mm. That's a motivational quote. And so now I just keep little little tidbits, little advice, uh, movie ideas, script ideas. All of my script ideas have come from just standing around waiting for <laughs> during the workday. Yep, and yep. It's incredible. You keep those notes, and you'll look back on them years later and think like oh my word i remember that day i was standing there and i had this thought and then somebody came up to me and said what are you writing and i showed them and they said that's ridiculous and now look i have a movie <laughs> <laughs> exactly uh, yeah you gotta you gotta keep stuff yeah absolutely well i want to move into um since we're talking you know obviously i never want to to consolidate someone's interest to just one thing but since we were talking about, you know, how you got into like filmmaking and how filmmaking was kind of like the byproduct of a bunch of other different interests that you still have, like stepping stones, um, I wanted to ask about some of your favorite films. And I won't, I'll, I'll try and make sure to not, it's not like a top 10 list or anything. It doesn't, in no order, in no specific order. What are some of your favorite films? And that is such. A difficult question. I, <laughs> I felt like it was going to be coming on here. Mm -hmm. uh, along with the things that I write, I keep a list of just movie reviews. And so this is the first year that I really started doing that. But man, I I absolutely love a, a great movie. And growing up, I was, like I said, homeschooled and I love books. I love reading. And I always kind of looked on people that were talking about the new movie coming out or the new film or you know have you seen this movie i was like i i don't watch movies you know it's it was always family time around the uh, around the table and then on the weekends when once we were done with school and we could stay up a little bit later we would have movies and so i grew up watching a lot of like the frank sinatra movies mm. the old the old movies and so that's kind of how i grew up or disney movies um so that's how i grew up but now that I've started watching uh, more movies. My mom is the best movie she recommender. I mean, she will have <laughs> just at home. She knows the best movies because the best movies were all like coming out when she when she was interested in the movies that were coming out and when when movies were good in the, in the 80s and 90s and they were man some great movies. The Fugitive. Oh, I love The Fugitive. It's incredible. I noticed on uh, <laughs> on a Facebook uh, like group listing that I have uh, actors, uh, they're recreating in my city The Fugitive. I was like, oh, if I could only be in that. What? Uh, yeah, they're recreating it. Not, It's not some big production or anything. It's like a student film. But to think about being, you know, the one-armed man or something like that, that would be uh, Yeah, are you often. kidding me? That's a tell your kids about it moment. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> did I ever tell you kids about how I did a front flip off of a dam? <laughs> For I about the time that I crashed a train? <laughs> did I ever tell you about the time I stole a, an ambulance? 
it's that movie is like I love I love the movies that are are action packed but also like they feel morally sound they feel morally mm. right because now it's just like action look at this incredible a movie is only as good as the story itself and a lot of movies coming out now are really cool but that's kind of all you're coming out of the of the experience with mm. uh, i went and saw the new oppenheimer movie that was that was an experience i don't mm. think it's the best movie there are some uh moments that if i was the filmmaker i would probably take out but it's it's a cinematic masterpiece and it's something that i was i was really happy because just the like the barbenheimer thing that happened this year <laughs> i i wrote about that i was like i just went to to went to see the oppenheimer movie and it was it was incredible um that's definitely up there man i i have such a huge list of movies that i need <laughs> to see um the firm is a great movie have you seen that one i've heard of it i think it's it's really really good it's really hmm. good um it has Tom Cruise and I know that Gary Busey is in it for a little bit. Um, he does not mention buttered sausage. <laughs> of course not. I only just like within the last week found out that the the posts that have been going on online for like the last month, month and a half are fakes. Like I thought that was legit. Like some of the interview stuff, I think that's like a deep fake thing because I was I, I was losing my mind because I was like, why are these people having him on in the first, like, why, what is he doing on this interview in the first place? Everybody knows that, like, he doesn't make for a great interview. So I didn't even question it. And I think after the fact, I found out that at least several of the more popular ones were defects. It, it was hilarious. I saw it and I, I quote it to my little brother now. Like, where is that from? What, what is that from? Doing? <laughs> hilarious more movies that i like i think that sahara i mean if i mention matthew mcconaughey and his book i gotta mention a, a, a movie with him in it that's he's great in that and um this us 571 is a movie about a submarine that's hmm. incredible um yeah i think that there are just there are so many great great movies out there uh licorice pizza have you seen that I've heard the title before. Oh my word, it's so good. It's on Amazon Prime. Um, it's it's uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. Okay. He's the he's the director of it. it. It's a fantastic movie. It's just kind of like a hangout movie. Um, it's about like a boy and a girl, and the guy's in high school, and she's older, and just is like hanging out. It's it's great movie, great movie. Mm. Um, but uh, honestly, a lot of things that I see. Uh, well, oh, also, some really hard-hitting movies, like Amistad, Seven Years a Slave. Um, what's that one? Uh, what's the Steven Spielberg movie about the Holocaust? Schindler's List. Yes. Oh, my word. Those are movies that will stay with you, and it's not like a movie that you just want to sit down and, like, oh, that's a great movie, but you see it, and it's it's memorable. Mm. That's the type of stuff that honestly I want to create. I think that YouTube is uh, is a wonderful platform, and it's crazy that it's free and that you can just put stuff out there. Um, but I I want to definitely go farther beyond that. I want to I want to go into either movie making or something something that has a meaning more than just 
everybody create some art you know <laughs> <laughs> oh it's, yeah it's totally good for people but i want to do something that makes it f- makes people feel like wow that's something that i will remember yeah that's really really cool that's a good objective to have you know i feel like there are a lot of people creating stuff for less than noble reasons and i think part of it is just because there's like an assumption that some of these entertainment systems that are in place must keep going whether it's like a company in specific or just like people always need to be entertained and so i think a lot of times the people making stuff are just on autopilot and there's just very little substance to what's being made and so we need we need more people with with vision who want to tell a story that that matters that will have a lasting impact versus a movie that you watch in a theater and you walk away and you're like, I gain nothing from that. And you don't even remember half of what happened in the movie at all because it was just all nothing. It was just vapid. It was just air. So it's really cool that, number one, that you are you have your eyes set on, like, the big screen. But also that, like, you are operating with the intention to bring something of value to it instead of just just getting by creatively. Yeah, striving for excellence always. I think that that's what I was brought up with, um, mm. and and just looking for that. I mean, I don't know how much longer YouTube is going to be around for. It seems like it's it's kind of here to stay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <But> <laughs> that's a safe even, bet. Even if it's even if it's not, I want to to do stuff. Uh, Casey Neistat or uh, Van Neistat on mm. YouTube. They were creating stuff. Incredible creators and. They've been creating stuff on uh, like VHS tapes, and they just have <laughs> hours of VHS tapes that have never been released, and they created it just because they wanted to. Yeah. And that goes back. That's the video that I made about just creating art, and whether it's poetry, paintings. Why does somebody have to see it for it to be created? Like, mm. show show your kids in a couple years. Show your friend keep it for yourself and think wow i did a really swell job and then start on your next one it's it's good for you and it's good for who knows what reason in the future um but yeah i i think that even though i haven't posted a video for like the past four months (laughs) it's been been schedule wise and and kind of crazy but that doesn't mean that i haven't uh stopped creating or um haven't been thinking about the next thing to do i've been writing a lot of uh, short story scripts because a lot of what i was doing was just kind of voiceover uh stuff or kind of inspirational things and i feel like there's more purpose to me to tell stories or to tell of things that i think are are important and should be shared yeah no i'm i'm looking forward to see what you create and i totally feel that um, with with like trying to like be an adult and also create stuff that's like not my job is so difficult because it's like the amount of time and effort I want to put into it is like the amount of effort I'm putting into my job and school like on the side like I'm putting a lot of effort into it for no other reason than it's for me which I'm happy about but obviously like the dream would be somehow one of those hobbies I'm able to make some sort of a return on if for no other reason than to justify the amount of time and effort I put into my stuff. So like as an example, a couple months back, I posted a video essay for the first time because that's 
uh, style of video on YouTube that I really, really have gravitated towards. That's and so like I ninety percent of what I consume on YouTube. Oh, I it's great! It. I, I love, love it. it. I love it. And so I had never made one before. And so there was a, a graphic novel that I had been eyeing for a while. That I had been like following the creator on Instagram for like three years. He finally released it, and so I did a video that was like a broad overview of some of like the themes in it, and. Uh, it sort of took off where I found this random group of people who prior to that, because I, I post um, on on my channel, I post a little bit of everything where it's like the podcast goes up there, uh, vlogs, drawing time lapses, music, basically anything that's not gaming related goes up on my channel. And then I have a separate thing for like whatever playthrough I'm doing. But this was the first time I'd ever delved into a video essay and I was completely in the dark didn't know how to write a script for it, didn't know how to edit it properly. Um, pretty much all I had is I knew what music I was going to use, which was Rubidium Rings, who was a guest on the podcast. As soon as I heard his music, I was like, I know what music I'm using for this. Um, so I made that video essay, and then I was, like, hungry for more. And so I made another one on this super obscure book from, like, the 80s that was, like, a choose-your-own-adventure maze-themed book. Um... And I was super proud with how both of those came out, but more importantly, I was so like humbled and happy to see like that there was a response. Um, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just because video essays like people are, are less snobbish about like I only go to the big channels for video essays, or it could just be that they don't have the time to wait for these big creators to make stuff because video essays take so much time to make. And so I'm very much in your position here, where you're like you're currently in the idea collection phase. And I totally get that. That's where I'm at right now. I'm reading a book about my next topic in order to store up ideas for the next video essay. Because, like, I haven't done any of the actual, like, physical work yet. I'm doing all the head work right now. <laughs> I'm trying to get all the information downloaded so then I can make a script. So then I can start setting up a video. But that's always hard is when you want to – you're so pent up full of creative energy. You want to jump to that actual physical, like, getting your hands dirty, creating – but you have to do all that work beforehand, <laughs> which is so difficult sometimes because it's like I just want to like open my eyes and have the thing done, like fully completed. Like I just want to fast forward a couple months to when it releases instead of like waiting through all the the what can sometimes feel like minutia of like getting something created or produced. Like there are aspects to that that are just oh, it drives me crazy because I'm like, if I could just take what's in my head and make it into a video, that would be good enough for me, and I'd be so happy with that. But for now, I have to actually mess with all the technical stuff. I have to get all my ducks in a row creatively, and I actually have to spend the time to think through the project, um, which that seems like the phase that you're in right now is that's the same phase I'm in with this video essay. Is like I haven't even started on the actual video, but it's in my, in my heart and in my brain, it's already done. Like, I have so much stuff ready for it but there's still a ways a ways to go but i'll be so excited for like whatever you make next i will be looking forward to that that's the crazy thing with uh like famous directors you know steven spielberg tarantino people like that They're like oh they haven't made a film in years i can't get a, can't get a stinking youtube video done in a couple months you think they're going to just pop out a movie you gotta wait <laughs> and and the qualifier and it be good because like right. you can crank stuff out, but that is not going to necessarily uh, nurture 
creative quality. Like, I think that's just like a downfall of our consumeristic cultures. We demand artists to keep creating, even if like they're not like in a headspace to create or they're not ready or they don't have any ideas. We're just like, keep making stuff for us. I hate that about YouTube or any social media to keep the algorithm going and to become somebody who does get funds from it or or anything like that. You have to just be pumping out content. Yeah. It's like I don't I don't have that. And it kind of makes me question like should I do the easier stuff for me is like gear review or stuff like that. Um, you know, just uh talking about the technical side of cameras or Hey, here's a photo that I took. Let's talk about why this photo is good. And should I, you know, pump some of that stuff out just to keep the views up and then drop the good stuff or just wait because then somebody might not see it. It's the, it's that balance of yeah. well, how much time can I devote to it? Yes. And have it still be good while still keeping people's expectations up. Yeah. It, that's the, that's the balance. And it's, it's so difficult. And I think for me, I'm blessed because I've had the same job since like 2017. So for the most part, my schedule has been relatively consistent. So this far down the line, I've been able to assess what can I create in a given month for both of the places I'm creating and then schedule stuff accordingly, which it sounds like we're in the same boat where like it's mostly like the weekend. That's pretty much it is like you have Saturday and part of Sunday to get as much creative stuff done because during the week, it's just not going to happen. Not even that, because then, like, where do you put family time? Where do you yeah. put meetings with mentors or with pastors? I, there's so much that is like, oh, yeah, you can just do it on the weekend. Nope, you can't do it this <laughs> week. And how about next week? Nope, I have a meeting. When can you do it next week? Nope, we have vacation. Can you do it next week? Nope, fishing. It's, it's like, <laughs> I just yeah. need time. But I also don't want to take it away from the things that I have set up. You know, I, I understand why creative people just go on retreats for a month or however long just to get away. Yeah. And surround themselves with absolutely nothing so that they get so bored that they create something. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think that's a problem in today's culture where people aren't bored enough to, to have creative thoughts with I'm definitely part of the part of the culture that's putting stuff out there for people to watch but if you're watching my stuff then you're not doing what i'm telling you to do which is create more for yourself <laughs> right and it's 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 difficult well like as as we wrap up here there's a couple things i wanted to just say well first of all like if and when like i said you ever like you post more stuff whenever wherever i will be so looking forward to see it or, like, even if, like, you only have time to do, like, short daily vlogs, I'd watch the heck out of that. Because then you could at least get some some of your uh, photography and filmography stuff while also doing something that's relatively, like, simple and easy to record. I would watch the heck out of that. That's just a side thing. Totally unrelated. But then also I just wanted to, again, like, thank you so much for being uh, a guest on the podcast and like thank you for what you create and i'm really hoping that like as like as you know within the whatever's less left of this year that you're able to find a rhythm that you're happy with where like you are creating the amount that you can at the quality that you want 
in the amount of time that you can. Like, I, I really, I'm hoping so hard for you that you're able to find that. Because, like, again, I've been blessed to be able to find that, and it's not always easy, especially when, like, it, it's all self-imposed, right? So I have to explain to, like, friends and family, nah, I, I can... I can do lunch with you then, but I can't stay too long because I need to go home and record some gameplay. And they're like, you have to? I was like, well, it's like a self, it's a self thing. It's, you know, it's a schedule that I keep for me. Um, so I'm really hoping that you're able to find that. Um, but yeah, I just, I can't wait to see what else you do. And like, it's so funny. I was talking to, I've mentioned this to multiple people now where like my whole dream at this point is to be the guy who knows a guy. And so I'm just sort of collecting this, this, amazing like group of people online that all do different things like i know photographers i know musicians i know music producers i know voice actors and now like i know i now now i know a filmmaker like i know so many different people that like i'm so it makes me so happy that like if and when i ever decide to like make something that's multimedia i have everyone i will ever need to make that a reality like it's so so encouraging and so so cool and it, it was a pleasure to meet with you and have this podcast in this very very pink room you know if i had to say what color this pink is based on the the compendium i would have to say it's it's pretty razzmatazz this room is pretty doggone razzmatazz to me i would absolutely agree absolutely you know i <laughs> When I think of this color, I think razzmatazz. Mm, yes. People in sparkly outfits with canes twirling, you know, lifting jaunty little hats, you know. Pink. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Very much so. In fact, I think, I think I'm going to be seeing pink when I close my eyes tonight. Like, I don't even think that should happen. Usually it's just like light, like staring into the sun. But this is so pink that I think that when I close my eyes, all I'm going to see is razzmatazz. Well, hopefully it's not just pink, but you also see a little bit of white. You know, the striking white from the cloud I cleaned. You get, you got to see the white. Otherwise, my work will go for absolutely nothing. <laughs> That's true. Oh, well, trust me. These, these are the cleanest clouds I've ever seen. You're doing a great job. You keep pumping out those clouds because I, Lord knows the people in the upper offices need something cool to look at out their windows. Hey, if you meet management, you know, put in a good word for me. Say these are the cleanest clouds you have ever seen, and hopefully yeah. you get a raise. You know, I might start cleaning, cleaning something different, something that actually matters. <laughs> I will mention it if I happen to come across upper management. If I ever manage to scale the full length of this building, I will absolutely put it a good word for you. But uh, that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast of the Morphing Tower Podcast. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye bye.